Hi, this is Phaedra Cook, editor and publisher of Houston Food Finder, and you are listening to Houston Restaurant News today for May 1st. And this is a hugely important day for many restaurants, as some are opting to reopen at Governor Abbott's restriction of 25% guest occupancy. There are several regulations to adhere to. They have to do with social distancing of at least six feet between parties and lots of sanitation and hygiene guidelines. There are guidelines for customers too. If you would like to read up on those, we have go to HoustonFoodFinder.com. We have an article on our homepage. Scroll just uh, underneath where the slideshow is, and there's an article called Texas Issues Detailed Rules for Reopening Restaurants. And below that is the article about when those policies were announced on Monday. That was uh, this past Monday. And that article is entitled, Texas Governor Says Restaurants But Not Bars Can Open on May 1st and I am sure it must be frustrating for bar owners to not be able to reopen yet and it's it is disappointing I mean I don't think a bar is like a gem you know gems can't reopen yet either but bars if they're large enough should be able to accommodate social distancing and all those same hygiene and cleanliness protocols so I'm not real sure what the rationale is are they afraid people are gonna drink too much and start you know interacting with strangers I don't I don't know exactly what's going on there the good news is that the governor is allow NTABC are allowing restaurants to continue offering delivery and pickup of certain types of alcohol they have to be manufacture sealed bottles of wine, beer, and spirits up to 375 milliliters. The restaurant can provide, say, their cocktail mix, cocktail fixings alongside that sealed bottle spirits. Now, I know lots of places are breaking the law and they're selling pre-mixed drinks and I've kind of heard universally that they That's what their customers want, and they think their penalty from TABC, if they get caught, is going to be a slap on the wrist. I hope that's all it is, but you should probably know what's actually legal and what's not. Either way, I think it's great that this is being allowed, and Governor Greg Abbott is even talking in context of maybe just permanently allowing this. Why not? There are other states that allow that kind of alcohol delivery. It's a convenience. You know, the customer needs to be willing to show proof that they are 21 or older and legally able to to order alcohol in order to receive the delivery. But it's really, it's no different than, say, being part of a wine club and having bottles of wine shipped to you once a month. So anyway, I think it's a great thing. I hope it does continue.
I do want to share what our editorial policy for Houston Food Finder is going to be in context of these limited capacity restaurant reopenings. I had email discussions with all of our writers on Tuesday and unanimously none of us are rushing out to go sit in a dining room and eat right now. We all advocate supporting Houston restaurants with your to-go and delivery orders. The coronavirus case numbers may not necessarily support where we're at in the sense of government policy right now. I think populous Harris County is a little bit different than say some of the more rural areas or areas that just haven't had a problem with coronavirus cases. There was a big spike yesterday. The numbers went back up to about where they were on April 25th. So we want to support restaurants. We also don't want to encourage something that's going to increase the curve and make this whole painful situation last even longer. My other concern is with only 25% capacity, I fully expect those seats are going to be occupied by the restaurant's loyal neighborhood patrons. I don't want to cause a situation where we are encouraging readers, yay, go out and dine at this restaurant or dine at that restaurant. And then they go and find that there are no available seats. And now we've potentially set up a situation where people are having to stand around and wait. No one's going to be happy with us for that. Other publications will focus on different things. We are going to focus on the restaurants that are keeping dining rooms closed and still offering to go and delivery services. And for that matter, of the ones that are opening, I haven't heard of one single owner who's saying, no, I'm not going to offer these to go and delivery services anymore. Everybody is still offering all that because they recognize that not everyone is yet comfortable or ready to go out. So there, if you have the means, there's no need to, to not support all the Houston restaurants that you like. Doesn't matter if they open the dining room or not. Just keep supporting them. These owners have struggled so much over the past six weeks and they have just bent over backwards trying to offer things that are fun and delicious. There are all sorts of packages and deals to take advantage of right now. So if you can, by all means, and keep in mind the wine bars that are having to remain closed technically because they're bars, but they've been selling these amazing bottles of wine at great prices. Take advantage because you know what? That may not last once everything gets to be open again. You can find a list of restaurants opting to keep the dining rooms closed on our homepage. And you'll find it at the very top 
in our, uh, our latest story slideshow. In a bit of news related to this podcast, you should be able to find it and subscribe now on, as far as I know, most of the major podcast services. If you don't find it on the one you use, then please shoot me an email at phaedra, P-H-A-E-D-R-A, at houstonfoodfinder.com. I also apologize for the length of time it has taken to get this out. I have been fighting technical difficulties with recording. Thanks very much to Joshua Mathis, who spent some time going over these issues I'm experiencing. Basically, I'm having to fight with the audio cutting in and out. And I think I know why now. But I also, even with this audio recording, I suspect there may be a few minor issues. I should soon have a different microphone. And that should solve the problem. Anyway, please do go ahead and subscribe so you get a notification every time we release a new episode. I think this is a good time to go to part two of my discussion from last week with associate editor David Leftwich. By the way, David published an extremely good article that you uh, you probably should read. I think it's a great balanced reflection of the many hard decisions that everyone involved with the hospitality industry is facing. The employees, you know, and how they've been having to get by the last six weeks. Some of the difficulties the restaurant owners face. That's all covered. And if you'll Go to the homepage. It's called As Texas Reopens, the Hospitality Industry Faces Hard Decisions. I really love this piece that David did, and I hope you do as well. Before I swing into part two of mine and David's discussion, I do want to note that since this recording, two things have changed. One, we speculated that restaurants would get to open at half capacity. That didn't happen. They have been allowed to open at 25% capacity. Hopefully, half capacity is coming around May 18th. And the second thing is we talk about the big chain restaurants that ended up receiving millions of dollars from the payroll protection program. And since then, most of those companies have actually returned the loans. You can catch part one of this discussion on the previous episode from April 21st. And where we are picking up, David and I are discussing whether or not Houston is really a delivery food kind of town. And then we'll get into some other topics. Here we go. Houston has not had much of a takeout or delivery culture before this. So it'll be interesting. It's, you know, we've been forced to adapt to having it. And, and um, it'd be interesting to see how, how this will change things and continue until people feel safe. 
which may be a few months, a few weeks, I don't know, that we'll, we'll definitely be seeing takeout and delivery continue at uh, definitely higher levels than we used to see it. You know, it's so funny that you said that Houston hasn't really had that that delivery in, in to-go culture. And I'm, I'm thinking of sitcoms like Friends, where it just seems like every episode they're getting a pizza delivered, they're getting Thai food, you know, Thai takeout, uh, and uh, and it's funny because yeah, would you think Houston? You don't necessarily think of that with you know people getting a bunch of, of to-go food and. Yeah. No, I remember like, yeah, when we lived, uh, D, like say I lived in D.C. and stuff, we'd get takeout all the time. And I remember first time moving to Houston, you know, or having lived in cities where there was more takeout. I was, like, I was really kind of surprised at how little delivery there was. It was really hard to find, you know, other than pizza places, places really didn't do delivery. And still, even now, if it wasn't for the problematic third party delivery services, which I've definitely avoided during this whole whole thing because they take such um, 20 to 30 percent chunk out of the restaurant profits pretty much or their revenues even now there even before this really hasn't been that much delivery it's just kind of uh i guess we just drive everywhere <laughs> houston was a latecomer to the whole delivery thing even with pizza i am i am old enough and and lived in houston long enough that i can remember being kind of mystified when i'd watch a tv show and they'd call in for pizza and i'd be like we can't do that here. Why, why don't we have pizza delivery? And eventually pizza delivery showed up, I think probably, I don't know, it's probably in college or something. And for a while, it was kind of like you could get pizza delivered and you could get Chinese food delivered. And that, that was about it. There really weren't uh, a lot more uh, places doing it. So Houston, yeah, they just kind of have been behind the, the curve on that for a long time. But, boy, they're catching up fast now. <laughs> well, you have no choice to adapt. Yeah, exactly. Adapt or die. <laughs> we're, we're seeing some uh, some significant evolution. I'm, I'm curious as to how how much how many of these changes are going to actually stick around? Because I think some of them have been good. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. The one thing that does kind of scare me, though, is it'll these kind of, you know, ghost kitchens or virtual kitchens where you'll see the reduction in front of house staff and just, just it'll just be chefs and a couple of people doing takeout, which you could see being a, um, you'd have to move into some places with a cheaper lease, but you could see that becoming a model that is more common. Yeah, especially with with lease prices, though leases may go down soon. <laughs> I I don't think landlords have the the amount of leverage that they used to at at this point, and you you can't keep saying, well, you know, Houston's a world class food city. It's like, well, and right now that doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not the point. No, and you know, and hopefully, I mean, I haven't heard a lot, but I'm hoping some restaurants have been able to work with their uh, you know developers and landlords to get some sort of relief on their leases because I'm just a bystander, but I would think to me it would make sense that you would want, um, if possible, you'd want these spaces continue to be filled after all this is over because I'm, I'd be afraid they'd sit, sit empty for a long time considering what's, you know, what's been going on. If, if you lose that restaurant, I think it's going to take a while to refill it. The funny thing is that there there has been a conversation going on 
preceding this COVID crisis about ghost kitchens and about, you know, certain certain restaurateurs have been talking with me about, hey, you know what, I, I think I, I just want a small kitchen and I'm just going to do nothing but third-party delivery services. And what's interesting is, of course, this COVID situation hit and, you know, restaurants are doing their best to minimize people using those delivery services because in some cases they take up to 30% of revenue. So it's weird that the this ghost kitchen idea is around, but the reason for using it or the way to get food to people, that idea is totally changing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if more uh, of these, I mean, you can see the convenience of it because you just pull up an app on your phone. You don't have to call, you know, have to like try to find the web, the place's website in order. But it will be interesting to see if some of the, some of these places institute more direct delivery or permanently have direct delivery, especially if there is continued, like say, you know, one of the ideas with restaurants is when they do reopen that you'll only be able to say like have half as many people in there as you were able to have before, like take out tables and, and it's just going to be a way to keep more people employed by having them more increase the, the amount of direct delivery you do and actually pay employees to do the delivery so it'd be interesting to see if people continue to reject the third-party delivery services or start dropping them all together. It'd be interesting to see how delivery changes or over the next few months. Yeah, it, it's really going to be interesting to see because if, if a place has the volume of uh, demand for delivery orders and they can justify having someone on their payroll doing it, it gives them some extra control over that process. Like if something goes wrong with that delivery, it's so much easier for the customer to be able to let them know and for the restaurant to be able to fix it. I mean, I've got a third-party delivery order that was not my order. (laughs) It was somebody else's order. And it was such a mess to fix the problem, get the order that I had actually requested, and then I had to wait, I think, five business days to be credited back. They had to refund my first order, and then I had to place it again. So I got charged twice in the same night for the same order. That kind of thing wouldn't even be an issue if the restaurant is handling its own deliveries directly. Could be... um less bureaucracy and less layers of bureaucracy if restaurants are doing it directly. But I'm sure there's other things, you know, I don't know like what kind of insurance, what kind of, what other additional costs may be involved in maintaining, you know, your own direct delivery staff uh, in the long run. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll ask you one more question and that is with millions and millions of dollars having gone from the, this quote-unquote quote small business emergency funds from the SBA, have it all, you know, so much of it going to chain restaurants like Potbelly Sandwiches and Roof's Chris Steakhouse, which double-dipped by applying through two subsidiaries so they could get $20 million instead of the $10 million cap. I mean, there are people online and, and certainly commenting on my Facebook feed that they're going to boycott 
these restaurants. Do you think that stance is appropriate or too extreme? Uh, well, I'm probably the wrong person to ask that question because I pretty much had that stance before that. <laughs> Not that I don't go to, but no, I, I've always tried to have been a big supporter of the of our locally small, independently owned restaurants to begin with. So it makes me less likely to support those restaurants and to continue to support the, the small local restaurants. Like I did, I have to admit, I like Shake Shack for fast, casual, but even though with the fact that they've returned their money, I still, I'm feeling less enthusiastic about ever returning to Shake Shack or because of that situation, even though in the, after they did the right thing, but only after a lot of pressure was put on them and a lot of negative publicity, the fact that they also managed to get a lot of money through a different route that's only available to large corporations. So yeah, I mean, definitely... I'm going to be all that more enthusiastic about supporting our small, independently owned local restaurants and bars. Continue doing that even with more enthusiasm going forward. And you're so lucky because you're in one of Houston's most wonderful restaurant epicenters. Who needs a Shake Shack burger when you can run down to La Lucha and get a pharmacy burger or <laughs> run to Bernie's Burger Bus or, you know, okay. where... Or Cantina Barba, which not only has good tacos, but has one of the best burgers in the Heights. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or Squabble. Yeah. <laughs> the squab- Squabble Burger with melted raclette. <laughs> so, well, thank you for being my first call-in guest. And thank you for everything that you've done for Houston Food Finder. I know all those you know, dining, delivery, and to-go lists are really, they're just tedious because it just gets really repetitive. But, of course, we're we're doing it out of love. We're doing it because we <laughs> love Houston restaurants and we want to help as many as possible. And even though we haven't gotten every single one on those lists that have requested to be on there, there's thousands of them and there's only a couple of us yeah it's been my pleasure to do those things i'm happy to to try to do what little bit we can to help but you know and so now it's kind of the point that uh with those lists is that at first it was said people were like oh what's going on we have no idea now most restaurants are either sadly some have you know aren't currently open but most if you're open you have takeout and delivery and if you don't see one of your favorites on any of the lists that we've put together be sure to call or check their social media or their website because many many restaurants have have had no choice but to switch to some sort of form some sort of form of takeout or delivery or curbside pickup absolutely and we're going to keep hammering away on these you just did the west chase dining list i think that's an area that tends to really be ignored people who live out there kind of know what's around but you know it's all more it's all like the the most populous scene for independent restaurants but there's some good variety out there when you factor in you know phoenicia and places like that you know art and deli out there yeah there's and that area has a lot of what it's interesting because that area has a lot of uh after you know looking at actually a lot of um um like kind of Middle Eastern and Mediterranean, a lot of Central American restaurants and uh, South American restaurants, um, which some of them kind of go under the radar, unfortunately, because it's not an area you think of. It's also an area 
with a lot of, you know, kind of national change and stuff as well, that little, that West Chase area. But there's a lot of little independent restaurants uh, scattered around there. Yeah, and thanks to Sean Shaw over at New Spot Eatery. I have not been able to go out there yet, but Hank Lewis went out there and, and wrote an article for us who has his own food blog, Hank on Food. And I was really surprised. It's like, wow, there's kind of this unique independent diner out there. And they're doing this amazing breakfast deal right now where normally when the, the dining room's open, they've been doing an, an all-you-can-eat breakfast. Well, they can't really do that now. But what they're doing instead is for $6.99, you can get some waffles and four other breakfast dish- dishes. So you get a total of five breakfast dishes for seven dollars it's an amazing deal that's the fun part of these lists it's like we're getting you know we haven't people who think food writers have gone to every single restaurant in town are deluding themselves because houston has like ten thousand restaurants but the fun thing when we get this information in and compile these lists is we learn new things and we learn new places and new places that you know, we're going to want it to, to visit when it's safe to do so. But anyway, thank you for your time, David. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll probably talk again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Good talking to you. That was Associate Editor David Lefwich of Houston Food Finder. Going back to local restaurant news, this is a follow-up. Last podcast, I had reported on Fiji's Barbecue, going back to serving weekday meals at their Greenway Plaza location. And we also talked about the pop-ups they're having at the Future Storefront location in Spring Branch at 8217 Long Point from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's on Saturdays. They just added... Another pop-up for Sundays, also from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. These are at Roost in the parking lot at 1972 Fairview. So they will be selling all of your typical barbecue favorites, brisket, whole rack pork ribs, smoked sausage, smoked chicken, and also some of Chef Aaron Feige's braised collard greens, sweet potato banana mash, and loaded potato salad. You have to place your order for either of those pickup locations by Friday at 6 p.m. So if you would like to place an order, you can go to feejusbarbecue.square.site. S-I-T-E, and place your online order. In some news that is both national and local, Chef Eddie Jackson, who is a former NFL player who is based out of Houston, is also one of the Food Network chefs, and he has a returning show called Yum and Yummer that will be debuting for its new season on the Cooking Channel on May 14th. I interviewed Eddie 
couple of years ago for the Houston Press. He is a lot of fun. He also has cooking classes on the Food Network app. And if you haven't tried out those cooking classes, give it a whirl. They're a lot of fun. The trick is you need to have all of your ingredients purchased and prepped before you start running the class so you can keep up. They have both live classes, and that's when it's really important to have your act together, have your mise en place done. And they also have those shows to view any time as previously recorded. But anyway, that show Yum and Yummer is on the Ch- Cooking Channel. It premieres Thursday, May 14th at 10 p.m. Eastern, so that would be 9 p.m. Central Time. Cinco de Mayo is almost here, and it's going to be a strange one because all bars are still closed. However, there are restaurants or places that kind of split the difference between bars and restaurants, such as LB Bad in downtown, that are going to make some offerings available to go. I don't think we're going to have enough time to publish a list of places offering to go options for Cinco de Mayo. If we can swing it, we will. But for now, I'll just recommend to contact your favorite place for margaritas and queso and enchiladas and everything else you enjoy for Cinco de Mayo and ask them what is available for you to take to go or get delivered. That is it for Houston Restaurant News today. I hope to be back with another episode sooner rather than later. If you would like a shout out on this podcast, email sales at houstonfoodfinder.com and ask how you can sponsor this brand new show. If you would like to appear as a call-in guest for this podcast, you can email me directly at phaedra, P-H-A-E-D-R-A, at houstonfoodfinder.com. Thanks, and I look forward to hearing from you.